Pop Health Week on Healthcare Now Radio. Today's episode is sponsored by Health Innovation Media. We bring your brand messaging alive on the ground and now in the virtual space for major trade show conferences and innovation summits via our signature pop-up studio. Connect with us at www.popupstudio.productions. I'm Greg Masters, Managing Director of Health Innovation Media, publisher of ACOWatch.com, and your Pop Health Week co-host with my partner, co-founder Fred Goldstein, the president of Accountable Health, LLC, a Jacksonville, Florida-based consulting firm. Our guests on today's show are Stephen J. Spann, MD, MBA, and Trey Cockerell. Dr. Spann is a family physician, leader, educator, and researcher, and is the founding dean of the College of Medicine and vice president for medical affairs at the University of Houston. He has dedicated his career to improving health and health care around the world by training future health care professionals, contributing to the scientific knowledge base of primary care, and by leading medical school faculty, physician medical groups, and hospital staff to practice high-quality, evidence-based family medicine. Trey Cockrell is Senior Executive of Strategic Relationships, Office of Health Affairs Advocacy at Humana. His current focus is to collaborate with academic institutions, notably the University of Houston, to support the startup of a new college of medicine and to help integrate the existing clinical colleges in an interpersonal model that leverages Humana's clinical expertise and applications of value-based care payment innovation and integrated care delivery. So Fred, over to you. Help us get to know Dean Spann and Trey Cockrell and what they're launching in the city of Houston, home to the Texas Medical Center. So thank you so much, Greg and Dean Spann. Welcome to Pop Health Week. Well, uh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. And Trey, welcome back to Pop Health Week. We've had you on in the past. Yeah, thanks, Fred. Good to be back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And thank you both so much for joining us. It'll be a fascinating discussion here today, especially with all going on around COVID and coronavirus. But let's first get to uh, a bit of a background. Perhaps, Steve, you could give us a little bit of background on yourself and the work you do at the uh, medical school. So, thank you. Well, I'm a family physician uh, that's had a very uh, broad-ranging career. I uh, started out as a country doctor, uh, practicing uh, rural family medicine, initially in uh, Arkansas for a year and then uh, in North Carolina for three years. And then uh, I entered uh, full-time medical education, was on the faculty at the University of Oklahoma, and then uh, the University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston, where I was department chair, and then I moved up to Baylor College of Medicine, my alma mater, and I was there for 16 years. During my time there, I was also Dean of Clinical Affairs at Baylor for a couple of years. And then I spent uh, two and a half years working for Johns Hopkins Medicine International in the uh, United Arab Emirates, the Emirate of Abu Dhabi, the city of Alain, as chief medical officer of a large uh, 460-bed teaching hospital there. That was uh, exciting and fun. And then I came back to Houston to lead the planning and development of a new college of medicine at the University of Houston. And that has been a great journey. We are close to opening our new college of medicine. 
Well, that's fantastic. Congratulations on that. And really, an uh, uh, interesting background. You've kind of been all over the world at a lot of different facilities and, and learned from a lot of different places. So I'm sure that's going to impact how you've thought about this new medical school. And obviously, you're working with Humana on that. And so, Trey, talk a little about your background and how you ended up uh, working with the University of Houston on this for Humana. Yeah, you bet, Fred. I've, I've been with Humana about 18 years in a number of different roles. Uh, I've had some really cool opportunities, uh, ranging from human resources to operation. And a few years ago, I actually started our bowl goal, Population Health Work, and, and that's our initiative to improve the health of the communities we work in 20% by 2020 and beyond, uh, making it easier for people to achieve their best health. And uh, once I, I got that work started, I got a chance to go work for our CEO and lead some special projects. And one of the cool things that came out of that was this opportunity with the University of Houston. And really, this for us was a chance to align with a school and, and a dean in particular, Dean Spann, uh, who has a mission to, to really do some work with primary care, to serve the underserved population, and to extend uh, a lot of the things that we do that we really feel and value about primary care and, and working with patients uh, into medical school education. So we know today that students don't get a lot of education about insurance and about things like value-based care and social determinants. And Steve's vision encompasses those things. And again, working with that underserved population is super important to us, and that's why this was a, a great fit. Just the missions are just perfectly aligned. Yeah, it really is interesting having known you from the bulk old days and how you've now taken that into this. So it'll be fascinating to see how that gets influenced into the training. And speaking of that, Dean Spann, can you talk about why University of Houston decided to put a medical school in? or there particular needs in the community or things like that? Well, that's a great uh, and an important question. I think it's important to say that that the University of Houston sees as part of its mission improving the quality of life uh, in the broader uh, greater Houston community. Uh, you know, we are the, the city of Houston's university, so to speak, and we see part of our mission as being just contributing to improving life and well-being uh, in the broader uh, Houston community. I think that it was realized that there are some deficits in health care and health within our city, despite the fact that we have the largest medical center in the world, the Texas Medical Center. It's a wonderful place uh, to receive care if you're, if you're very ill and have complicated illness. Despite having that wonderful medical center, our community has major deficits in health care and major disparities in terms of health. We have geographic communities that are not that far apart that have significant health disparities. I'll give you an example. The healthiest zip code in our greater Houston area and the unhealthiest zip code in the greater Houston area are pretty close geographically, you know, one or two miles apart. And yet the difference in life expectancy at birth if you live in the healthiest zip code versus the unhealthiest is over 19 years, over 19 years of difference in life expectancy at birth between those two uh, zip codes. Um, so so wow. major health disparities. And we have geographic communities within our city that have health indices, epidemiological indices, that are similar to that of the developing world. So we have great needs. One of those needs in our city and certainly in our state are for more primary care physicians. Texas ranks 47 out of 50 states in the primary care physician-to-population ratio. And if today we wanted to achieve the national average in terms of primary care physician-to-population 
ratio, we need 4,800 additional primary care physicians in the state of Texas. So we have a real deficit in primary care. We have major health disparities in our city. We see the need for bringing improvement, for improving health, improving health care. And one of the ways to do that is, is by training more physicians and particularly more primary care physicians. And so, so our goal, in fact, is that 50% of our graduates would practice in primary care specialties. Of course, the other major need across our country is to improve the value of healthcare. We define value as the relationship between quality and cost. You know, we have the most expensive healthcare system in the world by far. We spend way more on healthcare in terms of percent of GDP and per capita costs than any other wealthy nation, and you might think that because of that we have the best health, but guess what? We don't. In fact, when you look at other wealthy countries, we're at the bottom of the heap. So we spend more, we have poorer quality, we have low value, and we as a nation have a real need to improve that. So we need to train young physicians, young healthcare professionals on how to improve the value of the healthcare liver. That's another major focus of our medical school curriculum. That's fantastic. And I think it's it's interesting you talked about it, this idea of value and, and the community itself and trying to put more primary care physicians out into that uh, market. And I know from a, a population health approach, Trey, we've talked about this before, and I've been involved in the Bold Goal program from Humana. That's really been a focus of yours. So was that sort of the underlying idea when Humana was thinking of coming in to work with a new medical school, something around population health? And you talked also about building these kind of learnings around value-based care and health plan operations or things like that. Yeah, that's exactly right, Fred. It it, it really was an opportunity to kind of be on the ground floor with someone like Steve and and aligning with this vision that he's got around improving value and, and specifically quality and cost and the overall quality of healthcare delivery. Uh, and as I think you know, we have some, some clinics we've opened in Houston in the last year. Our, it's under our Partners in Primary Care brand, uh, and those are value-based, uh, fully capitated uh, clinics and, and focused primarily on seniors with multiple chronic conditions. And really an opportunity for us to take the learning that we have in that kind of delivery model uh, and share that into the College of Medicine as well. We would, would see opportunities for students to, to rotate into the clinics uh, and get some learning there, and then also to hopefully take some of the, the learnings that we have and build that into to part of the curriculum as, as part of elective work through value-based care elective we're developing uh, or into curriculum for classes like Steve's Physicians, Patients, and Populations class. So uh-huh. definitely just a, a fantastic alignment and, and thinking about those things around improving quality of, of health outcomes and population health in general uh, makes perfect sense for us. And it led us to establishing Houston as uh, the next one of our bowl goal communities. So we're up to, I think, 16 now, and Houston was, was one of those we added as a newer one in the last year or so. That's great. You mentioned your clinics. Can you talk about and explain to our audience how those clinics are perhaps a little bit different from the typical primary care that we see today in the fee-for-service world? Yeah, the, the, real, the real primary difference is focusing on, again, those seniors with multiple chronic conditions and, and providing the time that they need to really understand more about uh, how to treat their conditions. So physicians will actually see them up to once a month, depending upon how, how chronically ill they are. 
Um, but seeing them more frequently, seeing them for longer periods of time. So the difference between this value-based or full-risk uh, arrangement versus what we see in fee-for-service is physicians spending quality time. You know, they are ultimately accountable for that patient's uh, overall health, and so they share an interest in, in making sure that patient is, is making decisions for their, their own best health as much as they can. And it turns the, the physician into a real quarterback in that situation to, to help understand a lot about the patient and focus more on whole person health, which is you know, another uh, significant emphasis of, of this work, is to really understand outside of the doctor's office, what are the things that are having an impact? Uh, what are those, what's the social context of that patient that's uh, negatively impacting his or her health? And, and what are those health-related social needs that uh, we can collectively have an impact on to improve health outcomes? So that's, that's, you know, the primary difference. There's a lot more than that, but uh, essentially those physicians are, are, are rewarded based on improving health outcomes over time. Dean Spann, as you think about what he talked about, what sort of things from that type of a practice approach are you bringing into your curriculum? What sort of programs will the students go through, both from an introduction to a community approach or population health approach, or even as, as deeply as looking at these various alternative reimbursement models and, and capitated type practices? A lot. I will tell you, the, um, our, our curriculum has a strong emphasis on health system and population health sciences. And we have a course that's called Physician Patients and Populations that meets four hours a week uh, during the first 18 months, which is the, pl- the preclinical part of the medical school curriculum. And in that course, they w- the students will learn everything from how to interview and examine a patient to medical professionalism, medical ethics, evidence-based medicine, quality improvement and patient safety, health informatics, how to lead interprofessional healthcare team, health policy, population health, all these different components of what we call health system sciences. A lot of coursework, a lot of learning, didactic teaching in uh, those areas. The whole area of social determinants of health, and by the way, we now understand that about 80% of the preventable morbidity and mortality in this country relate to social determinants of health. So learning about social determinants of health and the importance of upstream care, of dealing with those social determinants of health so that they don't end up causing uh, disease and and downstream uh, problems uh, for patients. Uh, The whole area of of how to improve value in in healthcare and certainly being introduced to value-based models of reimbursement and care, uh, that is the future. We know that that's the way healthcare is going. We happen to think that's a great model for primary care physicians to practice in. So we want our students to have exposure to that and to understand some of the nuances of of how you deliver care in a value-based reimbursement model. Uh, so, So the clinics that Trey is talking about will be great teaching laboratories, not only for our medical students, but for our students in other health-related professions, nursing, pharmacy, social work. And part of our focus, by the way, is to train students in interprofessional teams. We know that healthcare is a team sport, and students need to be learning how to work in teams from the very get-go, not just after they get into practice, but during their professional training. So these are all 
components of the curriculum that will enable us to teach value-based care, how to improve value in health care, and help us train healthcare professionals for this century. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Pop Health Week on Healthcare Now Radio. Today's episode is sponsored by Health Innovation Media. Our guests are Stephen J. Spann, MD, MBA, founding dean at the College of Medicine at the University of Houston, and Trey Cockrell, senior executive of strategic relationships in the Office of Health Affairs Advocacy at Humana. And in in Houston, as you pointed to earlier, has you know some huge disparities. Really fascinating, diverse community. I lived there for a little while years ago. I actually worked at a Houston Northwest Medical Center, and I recall even back then how how spread out and diverse it was. Are there certain programmatics you're going to do in terms of taking your students out into some of those communities and working uh, with families or others in them? Absolutely, absolutely. So our curriculum uh, includes one half day per week of exposure to primary care practice, beginning week one of medical school. So our students will be out in primary care clinics and primary care centers a half day a week for the during the four years of medical school. So a lot of exposure to primary care. One of those half days every month, they will be participating in our household-centered care curriculum and program. This is a program where students will be involved in interprofessional teams, not just medical students, but nursing students, social work students, pharmacy students, and perhaps students from other health-related disciplines. Each team will be assigned a family with complex medical and social problems that lives in an underserved community, a community that has major health disparities. And each team will follow their family monthly over the four years of, of uh, medical school. This will allow them to really understand uh, social determinants of health, the complexities of navigating our health care system. It will allow them to provide uh, health education, health care coaching, uh, care coordination. And it may be that, that some of these families, some of these p- patients will be patients that the students are, are following in their primary care uh, clinic experience half a day a week the rest of the, of the of the month. So this will be absolute broad and in-depth exposure to primary care community health and interprofessional team care. All are so important in our new health care system. Yeah, it really makes sense. I'm, I'm fascinated by that concept of having, you know, folks in the home learning about what's going on in those families because that really is the place to begin to get a great understanding of how you can help them improve their lives to improve their health. So really a neat idea. And Trey, as you look at this, I was just wondering from a bold goal perspective, are there any unique things you think or as you launch it in Houston and do it in Houston associated with the medical school or having working with the medical school that may influence how those programs roll out? You know, I would I would first kind of just add a comment to to Steve's notion mm-hmm. around household centered care and, and the value of that from our our lens. I think you know we uh, acquired a minority stake in Kindred at Home a couple of years ago with the intent to uh, continue that acquisition, and that really demonstrates our belief that care in the home is a significant part of where the future of healthcare is going. 
Uh, we have a, a strong belief that more and more of that care can be delivered in the home, and certainly today is, is giving us evidence that using new technologies and telehealth and, and other technologies like that is going to enable us to, to bring more care into the home. So having medical students and other clinically-minded uh, students go into homes, especially in care teams, to deliver that kind of care, and as Steve mentioned, really understand the social context of patients and, and how we deal with that more effectively, I think is, again, directly in line with where we see this, this part of our business evolving. And that, that also lines up very much with, with the bold goal. And as we think about the three pillars that we have in our focus around community, education, and research, uh, those also align with, with Dean Span's mission and really thinking about how do we take uh, the experience that, that Dean Span and team are building out uh, and, and leverage that to benefit the community, which is what their bold goal is all about, but also to have a, a twofer or threefer, as, as we're calling it really, and, and have things that contribute to education and even workforce development. So as we think about leveraging community health workers uh, and training those folks uh, in different ways to certify them as community health workers and then maybe they go on to nursing school or some of them even get into medical school at some point, uh, we've, we're starting to see that kind of thing happen. And so we think that's a real opportunity from a workforce development uh, standpoint with education in the community. And then we're also able to take a lot of the work and, and tied directly back into the lifeblood of the institution around research and uh, partner with Dean Spann and some of his colleagues around how we do some retrospective analyses and, and other kinds of studies that are really contributing to the evidence-based science around how we're improving the value of healthcare and healthcare delivery. And could you, for the sake of our audience, obviously we're pretty deeply into Bold Goal and understand it, give a quick understanding for them of what Bold Goal is? Yeah, you bet. In, in 2014, we started this, this work, and uh, in 2015, our CEO actually put out this, this dream with a deadline, we call it, you know, so the bold goal. We're going to improve health by making it easier for people, and the notion is to go in and really understand what are the major social impacts, and, and frankly, when we started this a few years ago, we weren't talking much about social determinants in, in my sphere and in the, the private sector. Certainly, a lot of others were, uh, but we were just looking at what are the barriers to health, and how do we help solve some of those barriers? Uh, and it turns out that you know those are, are really the social determinants and understanding that context and being able to bring together a number of different folks to focus on those issues. And by, by folks, I mean health-minded community leaders, people who are uh, in positions of responsibility in communities, who have uh, organizations that are providing benefits uh, to people, uh, things like food banks uh, and YMCAs and American Heart Association, American Diabetes Association, uh, all of them have resources that are helping uh, improve the, the social determinant issues that folks are facing day in, day out. And tying that back into the medical school and, and really into to Steve's household-centered care model, you know, again, is a perfect fit because now you have students who are understanding this much further upstream than we are today, uh, or just starting to marshal the, the groups of, of organizations that we are today in a, in a more collaborative way to address some of these issues. So. That's, uh, that's what the Bold Goal is all about, and, and we've seen some measured improvement in different communities relative to healthy days, which is a CDC measure that we use to evaluate uh, the success of the Bold Goal, and have no doubt that we're going to see that same kind of improvement as we're able to start measuring in Houston as well. And how many communities have you rolled this out in now? It keeps growing every time I hear it. Yeah, we started with, with one, of course, and we grew pretty quickly to seven, and then into an eighth, and kind of stayed at eight for a while, and we're now in 16 different communities across the country. Wow. Fantastic. That's fantastic. And I, as I said, I've really enjoyed working here with Paul in the, in, in the Bowl Goal program here in Jacksonville and watched that develop over the past years. It's been amazing to see. So Dean Spann, is, 
you're about to open this new medical school. How many students, um, what sort of individuals might you be looking for, more community-oriented folks, et cetera? Yes, we're actively recruiting our students now. In fact, uh, interviewed a group of students today. We're having to do that via, via the Internet, uh, online, because of the social distancing requirements during the COVID-19 pandemic. But we're looking for a, a, a group of students that, first of all, enjoy relationships with patients. We really believe that empathetic, compassionate relationships between healthcare professionals and their patients are what brings about healing and improvement. Uh, better health. So, so we're looking for students who are interested in what we call relationship-centered care. Of course, we're looking for students who want to be excellent physicians. We're looking for students who uh, are interested in leadership. I mean, we're talking about leading a change in the way we deliver health care in this country and uh, finding ways to improve health and health care. I think we're also looking for students who have an interest in primary care and community health and population health. And we're looking for students who are interested in working with communities that have major health disparities to partner with them and help improve their health and health care. So those are the kinds of individuals we're looking for. We will start our class with 30 students. And we'll have 30 a year for two years, and then we'll double to 60 a year for two years and then we'll double to 120 a year, which will be our ultimate uh, class size. Uh, I've seen a lot of interest in our medical school. We've had 2,230 applications for 30 uh, first-year positions, so we're uh, working through those applications and interviewing uh, applicants. There seems to be a lot of interest in, in what we're doing. We anticipate that we're going to uh, recruit a a wonderful class of uh, students uh, to launch. We're starting in February. We're excited about having this uh, new group of students at this new medical school. Well, that's really going to be great, and uh, congratulations on getting to this point and obviously having to work through the issues with COVID and recruiting incredible number of applicants, obviously, and trying to select 30 is going to be quite the challenge, I'm sure. So as just real quick, could you touch on what you mean by relationship-centered care? This is a term that, uh, in more and more use, we've talked for years about patient-centered care. This emphasizes the importance of relationship in our care of patients. There's a recent book published within the last year called Compassionomics. Compassionomics, uh, uh, written by two uh, professors of internal medicine at, at the Cooper Medical School in uh, Camden, New Jersey. These physicians did a thorough review of the uh, medical evidence. So they did what we call a systematic review of the medical literature, looking at the importance, the impact of empathetic and passionate relationships between uh, healthcare professionals and patients. Um, and they found, in summary, the following. Those uh, patients who enjoyed uh, empathetic, compassionate relationships with their healthcare professionals had better outcomes of care, were obviously more satisfied with their care, and their care cost less. And the providers of those of, of that care, the healthcare professionals involved, were much more satisfied with their care of their patients. 
over mm-hmm. 50% of our physicians uh, have, have symptoms of professional burnout. Many people believe that this is due to a deterioration in the doctor-patient relationship. Even surgeons know that and value the importance of relationships in helping our patients get better. This is really a focus on the quality of the doctor-patient relationship, the health professional-patient relationship. And we believe that by really emphasizing that and training our students to value that and to enhance that, we're going to see an improvement in value, an improvement in quality and outcomes, Mm -hmm. and ultimately a decrease in costs. That makes a lot of sense, Dean Sven. And uh, I think we're going to have to close up this show with that. I want to thank you so much for joining us, and you too, Trey. It's been a pleasure to have you both on Pop Health Week. Thank you. Thank you both as well. And back to you, Greg. And thank you, Fred. That is the last word on today's broadcast. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Stephen J. Spann, founding dean of the College of Medicine at the University of Houston, and Trey Cockerell, senior executive of strategic relationships in the office of Health Affairs Advocacy at Umana for their time today. For more information or to follow the work of the College of Medicine at the University of Houston or Trey Cockrell's work at Humana, go to www.uh.edu forward slash medicine and www.humana.com and at Humana on Twitter, respectively. For Pop Health Week, my colleague Fred Goldstein and Healthcare Now Radio, this is Greg Masters saying... Stay safe, y'all. We get better together, even if virtually. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.